0: Place this morning. I am so glad that all of you guys are here this morning. I'm so glad that I am here this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to first start off by giving honor to a pastor and bishop for allowing me to speak here today. Thank you for everyone joining us here on this pre-holiday uh, weekend. Uh, I know we're going to have lots of turkey this weekend, and I know there's going to be lots of traveling, so keep each other in our prayers, keep each other in our hearts. Let's have a safe and healthy Thanksgiving. Amen. I just want to start off by reading some scripture. If we turn to Luke, starting in chapter 8 and verse number 40. That's Luke 8, verse 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned... The people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And Behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood of twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. She came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace. Hallelujah. Why don't we just greet each other for a few moments right now before we're seated. Thank you, mighty God. (laughs) praise the lord it's nice to see so many smiling faces so early in the morning so the title of my sermon today if you can look on the screen is true dissatisfaction true dissatisfaction i know it's hard to see but that is a rose up there it's a little bit dark i know that is a forgotten rose um, so what is dissatisfaction? Dictionary.com describes it as the state or attitude of not being satisfied. That's that's a great definition, right, Sister Melody? <laughs> uh, synonyms for this word are others such as discontent or displeasure. So we know that dissatisfaction is basically the lack of satisfaction. But what is satisfaction? Oxford Dici- Dictionary describes it as f- fulfillment of one's wishes expectation, expectations or needs or the pleasure derived from this now when i think about these two words together i first think about something else i think about the life of a perfectionist perfectionists basically have two moods they have two ways of feeling they have two attitudes either they're satisfied or they're dissatisfied i f- i am not picking on anybody here <laughs> I feel like there is no Goldilocks effect for a perfectionist. There's no perfect in between for them. Do we have any perfectionists here today? You don't have to raise your hands, but I can definitely relate to this. OCD. There we go, Bishop. (laughs) So instead of OCD, I have a term that I like to describe myself. Uh, I call it a lazy perfectionist. Have you guys heard of that term? So basically, a lazy perfectionist, great way to describe myself, I go through all the same dilemmas as a regular one goes through, but I deem that the workload is too much to put in the effort. And because I don't want to put the effort in to make it perfect, I just push it off. I say, "Uh, that laundry in the corner, yeah, not doing it. It's not going to be folded, so it's not going to be perfect. I can push it off for another day. And I'm not proud to admit it, but I've done this for too long, especially in high school when the teachers were super specific about MLA formatting or they had certain guidelines they wanted their references formatted in. I was just like, yeah, I, can, I can push it off till the last minute. And although I'm still working through this unhealthy habit, pray for me, I still have this looming thought always in the back of my head about this workload that I just keep sending, saying it's okay. It'll be okay. The thoughts of, oh, I need to get this done. I really should start to address these problems or this situation. I can't live with this stress sitting in the back of my mind. I need to change the way I've been doing things because everything else that I've tried up to this point has not worked. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yikes. It's an uphill battle from here. <clears throat> And that's what the woman with the issue of blood was saying to herself too. Maybe she wasn't exactly like a lazy perfectionist, but she always had this thought in her mind about her condition. And this is especially something that you can't really push off, an issue of blood. And the Bible says in verse 43 that she spent all of her living on physicians. She spent all of the money that she could earn in order to find some type of person to figure out what was going on, to tell her what was happening with her, to tell her what's the next step, and to understand what the treatment options are. And that same verse says, neither could be healed of any. And the ways that she was trying to find help were not working. And I think in the moment while she was just saving up her money, just trying to crunch every dollar, um, to be able to see these doctors, she was probably holding on to some sliver of hope that that they would be able to tell her what was wrong that they would be able to treat her, and that just kept her going. That just gave her another step in her day. But imagine the way she was feeling after being given the doctor's report that the treatment was not working. We don't know what's wrong with you. We can't help you. Nothing of our medicine is going to do anything for you. In a world so dark and hopeless, where do you turn to? Where can you find light in such a dim situation? And it all starts with that name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for that name this morning? Aren't you thankful that despite your situation, we have a God in heaven watching over us that says, I see you, my child. I see exactly what you're going through, and I am with you every step of the way. Aren't you thankful for a name that we can lift on high? Freely in this church service, we are able to praise his holy name. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We serve a good God. Amen. I just wanted to share this story that I saw online. It's a little bit long, but it's kind of like a uh, parable, but they called it a wisdom story. The, the title of it is called The Stonecutter. There was once a stonecutter who was dissatisfied with himself and with his position in life. One day he passed a wealthy merchant's house, and through an open gate he saw many fine possessions and important visitors. And he thought to himself, how powerful that merchant must be. He became very envious, and he wished that he could be just like that merchant. Then he would no longer have to live the life of a mere stonecutter. To his great surprise, he suddenly became the merchant, enjoying more luxuries and power than he had ever dreamed of, envied and detested of those below him. But soon he realized that a high official passed by. He was carried in a sedan chair, and he was walking along. He was accompanied by attendants. Everybody around him had to bow down. And the soldiers were beating their gongs. And no matter how wealthy or how high up a person's social status was, they had to bow down. And he said, how powerful that official is. I wish I could be that high official. Then he became that high official. He was carried everywhere in his embroidered sedan chair. And he was feared and hated by people all around. And people had to bow down. And it was a hot summer day. And he felt uncomfortable in his chair. And he just looked up at the sun and he's like, wow, look at that sun. Look how powerful it is in the sky. I wish I could be that sun. And the story goes on and says, then he became the sun. He was shining fiercely down on everyone. He was scorching the fields. He was cursed by farmers and laborers. But then this huge black cloud just moved in front of him, in front of his beams of light in between the earth. And the light could no longer shine on everything below. And he said, how powerful that storm cloud is. I wish I could be that cloud. Then he became the cloud, flooding the, veal, the fields and villages, shouted I, shadow, at by everyone. Excuse me. But soon he found that he was being pushed away by some great force and realized it was the wind. He became the wind, blowing tiles off roofs of house, uprooting trees, hated by all those below him. And all of a sudden, he ran up against something that would not move. No matter how forcefully he blew against it, a huge towering storm. How powerful that stone is. And he thought, I wish I could be that stone. I wish I could be that stone. Then he became the stone, more powerful than anything on earth. But as he stood there, he heard the sound of a hammer pounding a chisel into the solid rock. And he felt himself being changed. What could be more powerful than I, the stone? He thought, and he looked down and saw far below him the figure of a stonecutter. Wow. And they put their own moral of the story here at the bottom of the passage, and it says, More is not enough. The grass is always greener on the other side. Until you get there, it's just a matter of perspective. Satisfaction is a personal choice. Why don't you choose to green up your own grass rather than hopping the fence to check out the other side? And I'm here to tell the children of God today that more will never be enough. Increasing yourself so that you can have more in this world is not the way that Jesus has called us to live. Adding on to your worldly possessions will only cause more pain, and you'll never be able to fill that void inside. You'll never be able to fill what God can fill inside of your life. And if we turn to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, and it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things. And John 3.30 says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Hallelujah. John 3.30 is one of those verses that I kind of look at, and I look at it as if it's a formula. In order for him to increase, I must decrease. But if I begin to increase myself, if I begin to add on to my wealth, add on to my possessions in this world, where does that leave God? What position does that put him in? That decreases the amount of God that I am allowing into myself. It's like just turning off the hose or turning off the tap. It prevents the flow from the source from happening. And if you're saying, yeah, whatever you say, I won't believe you, John. I'm going to try it my own way. Once you start turning your eyes away from God, you're going to feel those effects. Once you begin to focus more on possessions of this world and not that living water that's flowing, it's going to begin to dry up in your life. And you can't tell me it won't change your walk with God. You can't tell me it won't affect you if you begin to s- say that you're sustainable on yourself, that you can't last without this. Just like this rose, although it's hard to see, it's all by itself, it's in the dark. It doesn't have any other roses around it. There's no soil to be seen. There's no water source. And it's beginning to fade away. The petals are beginning to crumple in on itself. They're beginning to fall apart. And it just looks like a sad rose. But you take that same rose and you put it in the right situation. You put it in the right environment. You give it enough water, enough sunlight, and it's going to be a beautiful bouquet. It's going to turn into something greater of itself than it could be just by itself. Thank you, mighty God. If we turn to Luke chapter 12, and he said, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plainfully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do, because I have no room to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I would say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night, thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. In this parable the barn builder is more focused on his possessions rather than anything else. He has so much that he decides he needs a bigger place just to put it all. And as soon as that's done, he can just relax. He can take it easy for many years and not worry about a single thing. Although that seems like the life that we want. If I get to choose in what capacity I can be rich, I want to be rich in the Lord. Amen. Who wants to be rich in goods when you can be full of his spirit? Who wants to be rich in the things of this world when you can be overflowing with his love inside of us? That's part of true dissatisfaction. You won't find the things that you need in this world. You won't find that void being filled by the things of this world. Only in God will we find those things. Hallelujah. And I pray that this sermon, this idea of true dissatisfaction is one that we can all take away something, take something away from. Because I believe it can apply to many circumstances, no matter where we're at. Many times as a young adult, I believe that this can apply to me in some ways because it seems like every year we keep on upgrading to the latest and greatest things. These big corporations market these phones so that they we think they'll only last us two years before they're outdated or too old or they'll stop letting us upgrade the software. <laughs> these These toys that we allow ourselves to have just become useless after a few years. And they market even better stuff, even bigger than this, for us to fill our free time. And they say to us, I don't know how you're living without this right now. I don't know how you're, you're going through your life without this. And they think that they can just, just persuade us into buying all these things. They think that we're just going to eat into what they have to serve. Well, this isn't true. They say the fact that we have this void in our lives, and we need this to fill it. And although this world will try to fill it with materialistic things, the answer to this void is only found in our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If we look in Romans 12, it says, Hallelujah. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to the things that this world will tell you, to help you fill that void, but rather present your bodies a living sacrifice, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can be in the perfect will of God. This verse tells us not to be conformed to the way this world thinks. Don't accept the way that they think or the way that they act. We can't accept the way that they view our situation. Because what better solution do they have to our problems? We have access to our Lord Jesus Christ. We already have access to the source. What do we need that they have? Hallelujah. This verse also tells us to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. The first thing that an enemy tries to do when they attack is they'll look for any weak spot in your armor. And when they find that weak spot, they're going to try their best to get in there and to be able to create a stronghold. And that makes it harder for us to get rid of them. It makes it harder for us to fight them. And it's easier for them to just keep seeping in more once they have that access. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'll struggle in my mind with these things. This constant battle of flesh versus spirit often first takes place in my mind. And when the enemy begins to attack our minds, it makes us easier for our ears to be opened into that voice telling us what's, what to do, what's wrong. But God's word transforms our minds. He tells us to fix our minds upon the things of the Lord so that we can provide a change in our circumstance. Hallelujah. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Hallelujah, Jesus. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Hallelujah, Jesus. Why don't you just praise him for a moment. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word that's speaking to us today. Oh, we ask that you will pour out your spirit, almighty God. Begin to work into our lives, oh Lord Jesus. Lord, let us trust
1: in what you have for us. Let us trust, oh God, that you have a greater plan, Lord. Lord, we just want access to you at all times, Almighty God. We just need you at all times in our life, Almighty God. We don't need anything that this world has for us. We just need you in our lives, God. We want more of you, O Lord Jesus. We want more of you into our hearts, God. We need more of you, God. Yes, 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 yes hallelujah
0: jesus hallelujah god hallelujah oh man oh man he's getting ready to rip it open right now oh, hallelujah
1: jesus hallelujah jesus lord we praise your holy
0: name god hallelujah jesus Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. Hallelujah. Trust in God and in His ways. Acknowledge Him in everything that we do, and He will guide us. Don't let ourselves think that we know everything, or we know what's best for us. Have a healthy fear of the Lord, and flee from evil. And unfortunately, as a young adult, I can attest to thinking I know it all. I think I know what's best for me all the time. And it's either my way or the highway. And I think that's the part of the youngest child syndrome. Joe's nodding his head over there. <laughs> but also being a lazy perfectionist, I think even more that I know everything. That, I'm dis- that I know exactly what I'm dissatisfied with in my life and I know exactly how to fix it. So couple those things together and you either have a great combination or a train wreck. I'll let you guys decide pray for me (laughs) but I'm sure we've all been in that boat that sometimes something's going on and we think we know exactly how to fix it but most times we don't most times we don't have it figured out and that's okay I can definitely be the first one to put my hand up and say been there done that but when we're in the beginning stages of being unsatisfied most times we just tend to ignore it we don't want to address the problem just yet because it it hasn't become big in us Big enough for us to address it. It hasn't become such a problem that we need to fix it right now. It's just a little problem. I can fix it later. It only affects one aspect of my life. But I'm okay right now. I'm still functioning. And as this happens, when we're in a place of comfort, we we can become to be like this. It happens at a place of our lives that we are satisfied. Moving forward is just too much work. But yet fixing the problem is just inconvenient. But God hasn't called us to a place of satisfaction. He didn't call us to sit on the side of a mountaintop. When these hikers and these mountain climbing extraordinaires go and climb these super tall wonders of the world like Mount Everest, their goal isn't to make it halfway and call it a day. Oh, I climbed Mount Everest halfway. I did it. They don't just walk away and say, conquered it. Look at me. I'm hot stuff. Maybe the first few times they try and climb it, they're only making it 5,000 feet. Maybe the second time, they're making it 15,000 feet. And the third time, they do a long stretch, and they make it all the way to that 29,000 feet mark, just short of the peak. In between the first and second attempt, the five and 15,000 mark, they don't stop in between at the 10,000, and then they make camp for the night and call it good enough. Oh, conquered it, made it 10,000 feet. We aren't called to be good enough, church. God doesn't want us to be satisfied with good enough. Or when we're at that 29,000 mark, just short of that peak, we can see it, but we still got 32 feet more to go. They aren't satisfied with just saying, oh, saw the peak, took a picture, I'm all good. They want to get to the top. They want to say, I conquered this mountain. They want the recognition that comes with such an incredible feat. Moreover, how shall we be as children of God? We shouldn't be satisfied with the ordinary. We shouldn't find a nice ledge in between the valley and in between the mountaintop and say it's good enough. No, God is calling us to the extraordinary. God is calling us for supernatural things. He's calling us to be sowers of His seed out in this world where at times we don't know what's going on. We don't know how to fix the problems that they have going on, but we know to trust in the Lord. Whatever the Lord calls us to do, we must be satisfied with what he has asked us. We can't be satisfied with where we're at. We can't be satisfied with what we have. We must answer that call of doing greater things for the Lord Jesus. Amen. Is this okay, church? Are you understanding this? Let's talk about these words for a moment. True dissatisfaction. So we know that word dissatisfaction means lacking pleasure, discontentment, and the like. That word true means accurate Exact or factual, so true dissatisfaction means factually lacking pleasure, accurately discontent and exact unhappiness. One big word that we can use to summarize it is lost. Hallelujah, and I think this this can describe all of us before we found the Lord, while we were all yet sinners. Can we relate to that? Before we came to the Lord, you know that feeling that we all had right before. How we were lost and empty, and we all had these burdens to bear. And we had these voids inside of us that could not be filled. And part of this is, I know some of us that were growing in the church. And I know that I've been here for a little while. But I don't remember all of my childhood before it. But I do remember certain parts. And one thing I do remember, and I asked Joe about this to verify, just so in case you guys are confused. One thing I do remember is the intense amount of emotions that I always felt. You know, my face was always scrunched up. Fist was always balled up in anger. And I always had these tears running down my face when I'd feel this. He's nodding back there again. (laughs) I would just make the littlest things seem like the biggest deal. But Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. Thank you, mighty God. Excuse me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And I just remember that first time uh, I was filled with this holy with the Holy Ghost, this immense weight that I'd been carrying. And you don't know that you're carrying it. We all know. You don't know that you're carrying this intense weight on your shoulders and it just gets lifted off. And that first time that you're filled up with the Holy Ghost, it's almost like you're floating. You feel so light, it's almost like you're going up to the heavens. It's an unforgettable feeling and I'm sure all of us have felt it. But I will always remember that void I once felt before the Lord came in and filled it. And the question I want to ask all of us today is, have we allowed the Lord to fill that void? Have we allowed the Lord to fill that void? Or are we still feeling those same feelings of dissatisfaction, of true dissatisfaction? And are we, If we're feeling dissatisfied or lost, and we're just wanting to go further, are we willing to give that to the Lord today? Are we willing to come down to these altars and just say, Lord, I've been feeling true dissatisfaction in my heart, I've been feeling a certain type of way that I don't understand it. And Lord, I just need more of you, God. I know that you are the proper answer, oh God. It doesn't matter what these doctors say to me. It doesn't matter what the world tells me. I just know that I need more of you, God. I need you to fill this void inside my life. And I know all of us are are probably doing well in the church, but God hasn't called us to just do well in the church. We have to be excellent god says well done thou good and faithful servant is he going to say that to you when you get up to heaven when you go and give him that report i want to feel that way i want him to say those words to me when i get up there and it just takes more and more of his presence it just takes more and more of his power in our lives and to do that we just need to keep taking steps your next step is here today your next fill up of his presence is here today These altars are open for you guys to come down and just reach out to the Lord. Lord, we thank you, mighty God, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord Jesus.
1: Lord, we wanna be connected to your source, oh God. We don't wanna be like this rose, oh Lord, that's just all alone and lonely. God, we wanna be a beautiful bouquet, God. Lord, we want more of you, Jesus, hallelujah, God.
0: Thank you, mighty God, for your presence here today, Lord.
1: Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Why don't we just be sensitive to his spirit right now for a moment? Why don't we just allow him to lead us where he wants us? Lord God, we're searching after you, oh God. Lord, we want more of you in our lives, oh God. Thank Cosa, mighty God, Just begin to let loose in his presence right now. Shado, 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 shado,
0: you mighty god thank you lord
1: jesus we worship your holy name oh god we praise you lord jesus hallelujah jesus hallelujah jesus thank you all for being
0: sensitive to his spirit this morning i don't know about you guys but i am excited for what he wants to do today amen we want to prepare for that we're going to transition into prayer in the next few minutes god bless you guys we'll see you guys at 11 amen